0: Thanks, Julie. Good evening, folks. (laughs) Get your yawn, get your yawn jokes out of the way. That's uh, an in-joke for uh, everyone who was on the church weekend. Uh, We saw there are nine short video clips of the Heart of the Community project on the website, and then there's one short uh, video clip of outtakes that didn't make it to the website, and Murray, who's a on the so I didn't do any kind of uh, presentation tonight because Murray's uh, uh, operating it, and there's a there's a clip of him preaching and me doing the most enormous yawn, uh, um, and then there's another clip of me preaching and uh, Chris Claxton doing the most enormous yawn. So uh, I expect a few yawn gags uh, um, <laughs> as we go on. <laughs> Uh, so, but uh, if anyone does and they're a preacher, then I shall sit there next time. <laughs> and yawn. There's a little uh, row of clergy there. Karen, that was a that wasn't even a fake yawn. That was a proper one, Karen. So, how does the future look to you? I guess uh, a day like today, a weekend like this weekend, um, those of us who've been on the church weekend, or those of us who haven't, who've just been out and about, probably looks pretty good. Uh, the future is pretty sunny. Uh, it's The always, sun's always shining, the weather's always warm, we spend most of our time outside, uh, which is uh, quite unusual in Stoke Gifford. But if, uh, if we look a, li- a little bit bro- more broad brushstroke, uh, how does look next year uh, look to you, or the next five years, or 10, or 20? When you look at the future, when you look to the future, what is it that you see? Are you one of these people that when you look at the world your glass is half empty. And there's, there are a lot of neg- negatives about There's a, a lot to, I get, guess, get depressed about. Uh, recessions, unemployment, climate change, violence, family breakdown, poverty, uh, rise of militant Islam, i uh, seen another. A boarding school, uh, an Islamic boarding school burnt down just uh, this weekend as well in, in response to uh, the attack we saw a couple of weeks ago. So are you a glass half empty kind of person, see things getting worse, downward trajectory? Or are you more positive, glass half full? Someone that sees the church growing in confidence, growing in unity, growing in love, stepping out in faith with the good news of Jesus in words and in deed. Uh, I heard two or three weeks ago, there's, uh, our Archbishop, Justin Welby speaking about the church, and he says that he has never in all his life been more positive, more hopeful about the future of the church. And I've heard that a number of times just over the past few weeks, uh, where people have said that they feel more positive now about the Anglican church and the church in general in the UK than they have done for a generation. That's the outside, external future I guess but when you look inside at your own personal future what kind of thoughts what kind of feelings do you have are you excited about what's coming up or are your feelings your emotions more worry more fear if you look to your own personal future does it look better than it does today your life today or does it look worse I guess whatever the future holds, whether we look at uh, the world or whether we look at our church or whether we look closer uh, at home to our own personal future, the only thing that's really certain is that nothing is certain. There's that sense of uncertainty in everything that's coming up. And how we deal with that in different ways, don't we? And I guess a question to all of us tonight, how do you cope with uncertainty? How do you cope with not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow or next year or 10 years down the line. And you may be, uh, your life may look pretty similar the next year or so, or you may be at some sort of crossroads in your life this evening. The sense that something ahead is, is going to change, there's some sense of uncertainty in, uh, in where things are going. And if you're moving on as a student, that might be the case. But in the lives of some of us as well, and I guess uh, I 'm approaching that place. Uh, I know that in the next year or so I 'll be leaving here, and uh, someone might allow me to lead a church somewhere else, so th- but there 's that sense of not knowing I don't have a clue where that 's going to be, and um, not knowing who it 's going to be with, apart from uh, my wife and uh, son, obviously. But uh, not knowing where in the country, what kind of church, what kind of role I'll be called to minister in. And so I'm quite looking forward to what the passage has to say to all of us tonight. And I'm going to look at uh, just a few short verses. Uh, Tonight's passage is about our attitude towards the future, how we approach it. And I want to look at two questions. And the first question is to do with whose plans for the future do we have? Whose plans are we living by? For the future. And then the second question is, are we playing the future too safe? Are we playing it too safe? So firstly, whose plans for the future do we have? And if you look in the, in the text, uh, it's on page 1215 if you want to follow it, uh, or it's up there, uh, if you want to follow it up there. James is really clear who he's talking to. In verse 13, chapter 4, verse 13, he says, it's you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that city. will spend a year there, will carry on business, and will make money. He's not talking about those, uh, he's not having a go at those who plan carefully. He's not having a go at those who weigh up their options for the future before making a decision. He's not having a go at those who want to go into business and make a profit. If you look at verse 16, he's talking to those who boast and brag who plan for the future as if they're in total control, as if they had the future entirely in their own hands, as if they were God. And we were looking last week, weren't we, uh, when Cy was preaching, at uh, that sense of don't play God. God is God and and we're not God. But these folk who say, we're going to do this, we'll go to that city, we'll make money, uh, we'll boast and brag about it, they're planning as if they're God. As if no one or nothing could thwart their plans. They think of themselves only and what they'll gain from their future plans. They're right slap bang in the centre of their future. And God, at best, is on the margins and at worst, is nowhere to be seen. And that's a challenge for each of us, isn't it? When we think about the future, where do we place God in those thoughts? Where does He fit in? Where is he when we make our plans together? And James brings those that he's talking to in this passage down to earth with a bump when he says, you who make these big, grandiose plans, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You've no idea what's going to happen to your life, in your life tomorrow. You've got no way of knowing. He says, what is your life? What's your life you who plan and brag and boast, you who think you've got it all under control, you who depend on yourselves, who plan without asking God, what is your life? You're like a mist. You're like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You're like a mist. Here today, gone tomorrow. In your pride, you plan, you scheme. You have these grandiose thoughts. But your life is like a mist that appears in if you've ever been hill walking, you get up early and you go on a walk. It appears in the valley in dawn. It's at dawn. It looks absolutely stunning, like a, you know, a, a cloud or a fog hanging over the valley. But by the time it gets to 11 o'clock and you've had your first uh, Kendall mint cake and cup of coffee up the mountain, uh, it's completely disappeared. No sign of it at all. Gone at never ever to reappear. And James is calling all of us to see our lives in this perspective, as short, as fleeting, as uncertain. There's no sense of certainty. And he's calling us to take ourselves out of the centre of our planning and put God there. He says, instead, instead of thinking like this, instead of bragging and boasting, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, then I'll do this or that. And that reminds us of the psalmist who says, I think uh, it was uh, Emily who said yesterday, that uh, those verses from the Psalms, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. To so take yourself out of the centre. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. You may not be able to see the path ahead very much, but you know that it'll be a straight path. And the good news is that although our lives are like mist, fleeting and uncertain, here today, gone tomorrow. When we get this proper perspective, when we take ourselves out of the centre and put God there, that perspective of the Lord's will, the perspective of eternity, the perspective of everything being in God's hands, then far from our lives being of no value, that sense of, you know, you could see your life as mist and think it's worthless. But actually from the perspective of eternity, our lives have infinite value. As Paul says to the church in Corinth, our labour in the Lord is not in vain. Amazingly, and I love this verse, the sense that every, our labour in the Lord is not in vain. Everything we do in Christ, everything we do in the will of God are not through our own boasting and bragging and, and schemes to make uh, ourselves the centre of our future. Everything we do, in Christ is of eternal value. Somehow it lasts forever. And as we put God at the centre, as we surrender our wills, our lives, our plans, our futures to God, then he takes them and he moulds them. And he moulds them into something beautiful, something glorious, something that lasts forever. But in order for this to happen, the Lord would have each of us come to a place of surrender, where when looking to the future, we say to him, not my will at yours that same place of surrender that Jesus got to in the garden of Gethsemane where he submits his will to the father's will he pleads with his father to take the cup of suffering away from him he pleads with his father if there is any other way to redeem the world then the cross is looking painful and difficult from this perspective but then he prays after being strengthened by angels, not my will, but yours be done. And it's good to have ambitions, isn't it? It's good to have dreams. It's good to have hopes. It's good to dream big. But sometimes our personal ambitions can get dressed up, can't they, as godly ambition. Ambitious for the Lord. And if he happens you know, to make me famous, then I'll take that too. But my ambition is for the Lord. Personal ambition dressed as godly ambition. And maybe some of us tonight need to surrender our wills and our plans to God's greater plan and God's greater will to restore God to his rightful place and say with those lovely words of John the Baptist where he says about Jesus that he must become greater. And I must become less. So, that first question of whose future is it that we're planning? Surrendering our plans to God and putting Him at the centre. But then, that second question for us are we playing the future too safe? Are we playing it too safe? And most of us don't like the fact the future's uncertain, do we? I'm not, I quite like planning. I like to know what's coming up. Uh, different personality types, uh, don't mind not knowing. Um, but I think most of us, the sense that our future is uncertain, there's a, there's a certain amount of disease about that in most of us. And uh, we just look at, I mean, look at the, uh, the popularity of horoscopes. Why do people turn to horoscopes? People who read their horoscope know, most, I'm sure, I'm sure most uh, know, that they're utter nonsense and made up on the spot. But they still go. They still look because they want to find out what the future holds, to gain some sense of control, to, to get rid of some of that sense of uncertainty. Or maybe if we, we might not consult horoscopes, but we might try and minimise risk to play it safe, to do it the way our parents did, to do it the way that we've always done, that well-trodden path. Many of us are by nature quite conservative. Do we don't like change? Or we might take out every form of insurance possible. I mean, although, in, unfortunately, in most insurance policies, acts of God have now been removed. We might try and seek that comfort, that security above everything else. But look at verse 14 again. It says, You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What if uncertainty over the future was actually a gift from God? What if that sense of not knowing is God's gift to us as followers of Christ? Because God doesn't intend to tell us in any detail at all what he's going to do in five years' time. He doesn't tell us in any detail what he's going to do next week. We need to balance that with the sense that we're called in certain directions, and we believe, corporately as a church, that that God is calling us in certain areas. But there's a very real sense, isn't there, that God intends us to live with a sense of uncertainty about the future. And some sense of uncertainty is part of His will for us. It's actually woven into the whole fabric of our lives. And if uncertainty is woven into the fabric of our lives, then so is an element of risk. We can never really know the outcome of our actions, can we, with any certainty? All future planning has an element of risk. And in fact, all of life has some element of risk in it, doesn't it? We can never ever eliminate risk, no matter how hard we try. And so that sense of worldly security, that sense of, of safety and comfort in the way that many of us seek doesn't actually exist because there's still some element of risk in there. And so James is teaching us that living with some uncertainty over the future is how God intends us to live. And I believe that one of the reasons for that is so that we can step out in faith and learn to trust God. And there's a sense, I think, for me at the moment that that's what God is teaching me, teaching me to seek him for himself and not for what he will give me. So that sense of seeking his face and not seeking just his hand. The sense of uncertainty over the future, encouraging me to develop my relationship with Christ. And to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, as Julie said earlier, that I want to know Christ. Or as Corrie Ten Boom said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. So that sense of uncertainty for us is a gift from God, enabling us to develop our relationship with him. But I think there's another reason for uncertainty. And that's so that we can give ourselves sacrificially to other people. We can give ourselves to love and serve them, not knowing how it's going to be received, not getting anything back in return, not calculating the balance sheet before we do it. That sense of uncertainty, so giving uh, and expecting nothing back. And the Bible is full of stories of people like us who didn't know with any certainty what the future would hold for them but who learn to trust God with the future and take risks for him. And our trust for God, our relationship with God, and our love for others grows and flourishes where there's an element of uncertainty and where there's an element of risk, where we step out in faith. And a couple of examples from the Bible. One is Esther in the Old Testament. And she was called by Mordecai, her relative, to request an audience with the king who she happened to be married to at the time but to plead with the king on behalf of the Jews but she had absolutely no guarantee when she did that that she'd have success there was no success guaranteed to her in advance and she said to Mordecai go gather all the Jews and hold a fast on my behalf and don't eat and drink for three days and then I'll go for the king even though it's against the law I'll go to the king. And then she says, if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. Now, when we read the book of Esther, we regard her as a heroine. Of course she is. We regard her as a heroine for what she achieved, that she saved the Jewish nation from being wiped out. But we should regard her for a heroine. As a heroine, for other reasons as well, because she had no special revelation from God about her future, no guarantee of success. She loved her people, she trusted God, and she took the risk. If I perish, I perish. Or think of a New Testament example think of the Apostle Paul, who, uh, not a stranger to uncertainty and risk, he said, Now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. This is in Acts chapter 20. Not knowing what will happen to me there, not knowing. This is the apostle Paul who'd been taken up to the third heaven and seen things that he wasn't permitted to express. Paul didn't know what was going to happen to him in future in, in Jerusalem. Uh, he said, "I only know. This is all he knew that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me there." So, no special revelation for Paul about how it was all going to turn out. His whole life was uncertainty and risk. He never knew where the next blow would come from. But what I think what's striking about Paul is his willingness to live with risk, to embrace uncertainty because he trusted God and because he loved his people. He goes on to say, Acts twenty twenty four, and this is the key to this for him, I think. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace someone's got a text Uh, his choice was the same as our choice today choose a life of safety that doesn't exist in reality or step out in faith and live with uncertainty and risk learn to trust God learn to love other people and uh, those of us on the church we have kind of been encouraged gently challenged or strongly challenged in a gentle manner to step out in faith haven't we to step out and uh, to other people to let our walls down to open ourselves up not knowing how that's going to be received. No sense of certainty that we'll be embraced and uh, and thanked for that. Uh, We'd like to think that that would be the case in uh, St. Michael's. But it's still a risk, isn't it? Letting your guard down and being, being vulnerable with other people. But I wonder if tonight we can learn to see uncertainty about the future as a gift from God as an opportunity for faith, an opportunity to take risks, an opportunity to trust him, an opportunity to love others. And I wonder where we are in this, each of us tonight. As a church, the Heart of the Community project is it's an amazing opportunity for faith, isn't it? With a, a sizable element of God-given uncertainty about timings and where the money's going to come from. But we step out in faith. And it's a great opportunity, isn't it, to trust in God, to develop our relationship with God, and to bless other people. Or how about the church plant that Jimmy's working on in Cheswick? Just a great way to step out and trust God and love and bless other people. But we see the same dynamic of stepping out and trusting God Every time we step out in uncertainty, every time we step out to share our faith, every time we step out and give a testimony, every time uh, we give a word to someone that we're not quite sure if we have heard from God or not. There's that dynamic of trusting God when things are uncertain. So what about us tonight? How will we live? Will you take risks for God? Will you step out in faith not knowing all of the answers beforehand will you embrace that embrace that sense of uncertainty as god's gift to you the fact that you don't know the future is god's gift to you an opportunity to grow in faith and trust and an opportunity to love and bless others is there something even tonight that god is calling you into that you need to say yes to Even though in your mind it's not all tied up and actually never probably will be. So, James in this passage, or God in this passage through James, is encouraging us, I think, to do two things. And the first is to surrender our plans to God, our wills, our futures, and say to Him, Not my will but yours. Not my will but yours. To take ourselves out of the centre and to place God in the centre. And secondly, I think God is encouraging us to embrace the uncertainty of the future as a gift from him, and to step out in faith, and to take risks. Why don't we pray together?